Welcome to another episode of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo, broadcasting from the new Cellmark Studios. Colleen Daniel is here, socially distancing from home today, along with the entire About Mansfield news team. We appreciate you being here today. Coming up on this episode, Mansfield news, sports, and weather for the upcoming week. And as always, we will conclude this episode with the trivia question of the week for a $25 gift card to the new 54th Street Grill. Let's take a look at the stories we're covering this week. This week, the COVID-19 epidemic appears to continue to increase its concerning spread in Mansfield. Local elections produces three winners and three runoff races. Councilman Casey Lewis recaps Monday's meeting. Think twice before dumping that grease down the drain. The city will take it for free. Veteran celebration takes to the internet. In sports. COVID-19 has played havoc with high school football schedules. MISD is no exception. Let's get warm and cozy, shall we? I'm home improvement specialist Terry Radswin, and we'll talk about that in the Ask Terry segment later in the show. Alexa is here with the seven-day weather forecast, and a little bit later in the episode, Steve will talk in studio about spirits and not the ghoulish, ghostly type. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is About Mansfield. Your logo or emblem defines who you are, so why not show it off with custom printed shirts? I'm Dana Wood with Ohana Screen Printing. We are a custom screen printing company and can print your design or help you create a new design. While t-shirts are our specialty, we can print on all kinds of apparel such as masks, hoodies, bags, you name it. Ohana means family, and that's exactly why we started Ohana Screen Printing, to bring our family and community together through creative expression. We look forward to adding you to our family. Rest assured that when you do business with Ohana Screen Printing, that your dollars stay local, as we are a family-owned business based right here in Mansfield. If you're part of a business, organization, or sports team looking to make a visual presence, hit us up on Facebook or ohanascreenprinting.com. That's ohanascreenprinting.com. Hello, my name is Michael Evans, and I'm running to become the next mayor for the city of Mansfield. I've had the opportunity of serving here in Mansfield for 31 years, 10 of those years on the Mansfield ISD Board of Trustees, where I eventually became the president. I am running for mayor because I believe in smart growth in Mansfield. We should be a city that has master plan communities, master plan developments, developments that have in mind our first responders, our law enforcement officers, our teachers, and even our most seasoned citizens. The city of Mansfield is a beautiful place, and we should continue to leverage our funding to make sure that we have a robust downtown system. And in regard to economic development, we need to be reminded of the fact that the city of Mansfield is the attractive date at the dance. Be mindful that a good economic development strategy attracts corporations, retail, and restaurants that will lighten the tax burden on our citizens. I'm here to ask for your vote. Michael Evans for mayor. Early voting begins November 23rd through December the 4th with election day on December 8th. Paid for by the Michael Evans for mayor campaign. Hey Mansfield, did you know cannabis is legal in Texas? I'm Sonia Salazar, co-owner of Wise Wellness. As cannabis educators and advocates, we can answer any questions you have regarding hemp-derived CBD. Wise Wellness carries a variety of products, including oils, topicals, edibles, and pet products. We are located on FM 157 beside Mansfield Fun Jewelry. As a thank you to the About Mansfield podcast listeners, we are offering a buy one, get one free special on select products. Just mention the podcast at checkout. Follow us on social media for our latest updates. Search for Wise Wellness, that's WISE, W-Y-S-E, Wellness, on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon. Southwestern Adventist University is the proud sponsor of today's show. SWAU offers a variety of programs, both on campus and online. In addition to over 50 campus programs, they have nearly a dozen online programs, including criminal justice, Christian studies, and an RN to BS in nursing. For a limited time, SWAU is offering a $2,500 scholarship to all first-time freshmen from the Southwest USA. Learn more by going to swau.edu. Hi, this is Philip Washington Jr., and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield. This portion of the news is brought to you by Ohana Screen Printing. The COVID-19 epidemic is continuing to increase its spread in Mansfield. Roving science reporter Dennis Webb has the update. Thank you, Steve. In Mansfield, the epidemic appears to continue its increasing spread. 
As a city in Tarrant County, we are still under County Judge Glenn Whitley's executive order declaring a local public health disaster for the county. Judge Whitley and his public health team does not think we have yet beaten the virus. On Monday, November 9th, Tarrant County reported 1,845 Mansfieldians as having tested positive, 1,325 are estimated to have recovered, and 29 citizens have died since the start. From these three numbers, we can determine... We had 165 new cases this past week. This is the fifth consecutive week of increase and another record high. We had no new COVID-19 deaths reported in Mansfield this past week. We have only had one death over the last four weeks, a blessing unless you are that person's family. The county estimates that there are 470 active cases of the virus in Mansfield. That is, 470 fellow citizens who could pass the virus to another citizen if they are not quarantining. This is a big increase over where we were back in September when we were around 150 active cases. Last week, Mansfield Independent School District reports 18 new cases among staff and 38 new cases among students. These are both increases over the previous week. MISD has a website where you can see current case data at each school. For context, Tarrant County had 5,403 new cases last week, a record high, beating the previous peak of 4,806 back in early August. Test positivity has increased to an average of 15%, suggesting we are not testing enough to contain the virus. The county continues to perform over 5,000 tests each day. Countywide hospitalization with the virus has increased to an average of 516 citizens in a hospital bed with the virus each day. Each of the last seven weeks have seen an increase in this indicator, increasing towards our previous peak of 690 back in July. Today, the county has plenty of empty beds and ventilators, but that can change rapidly, as recently happened in El Paso. The county reported 19 deaths this past week, down a bit from the week before. We appear to be in an awkward middle place with the epidemic locally. We have too many new cases each week to be in containment, where every new case gets caught quickly and the spread is stopped, and we can get back to a more normal life. Getting to containment would be really good. On the other end of this, we are not increasing fast enough to crush the hospitals, a fact that would require a hard economic shutdown. I think the state's goals and policies are protecting the hospitals, a a very good thing. But statewide and in Tarrant County, we have made little progress on getting to zero, and we appear to be experiencing a normal autumnal spread of respiratory viruses. Early on in this epidemic in Texas, I was visiting with a friend. I said, I don't want to die in a hospital hallway waiting on a ventilator. He replied, I don't want to die in an ICU on a ventilator. This was blindingly clarifying for me. We should each do everything we can to avoid getting the virus, as nobody knows who's going to suffer the bad outcomes of getting this new virus, and us old people are at increased risk of bad outcomes. I recommend everybody follow the guidance of our county and state elected officials. When you're out and about, keep your distance from other people and wear a mask. Wash your hands a lot, avoid crowds, and if you're old and sick, stay at home as much as you can. If you don't do it for your fellow citizens, do it for your family and yourself. As always, we welcome any science questions from listeners. Put questions in an email to info at aboutmansfield.com. Reporting from the roving science desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. Mansfield saw a few winners in Tuesday's local elections, the majority coming from those who ran unopposed. School board candidate Warren Davis and city council incumbent Larry Brosh cruised into the winner's circle with no opponents. The four-candidate race for mayor has been whittled down to two, with Michael Evans taking 39% of the votes, followed by Brent Newsom with 30%. The city council place two race has also resulted in a runoff between Tamara Bounds, who took 43% of the votes, and Scott Bowman with 32%. And there was one runoff in the MISD school board race, that being between Yolanda McPherson and incumbent Courtney Lackey-Wilson. The nail-biting race of the night was for city council place six between Philip De- Grote and Todd Tenori. Man, that was a tight race. Very tight. Looking at the numbers, looks like 49 to 51. Yeah, unbelievable. Tenori, a businessman with several holdings in Mansfield, took just 50.9% of the votes, just enough to eke past his opponent, DeGroote. About Mansfield listeners may recall that DeGroote ran with a zero budget, no campaign signs, no mailings, no dollars spent. Tenori praised DeGroote for running a great race. The fact that Philip ran and uh, 
as the common guy. Hey, I admire that and uh, we'll support him in the future. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I looked at some of the numbers. I think there were nine, about 20,000 votes, and I think there was only about a 400 vote difference. So that tells you how tight it was. So the turnout was unbelievable for a, uh, a city council race, you know, about four times that what it normally would be. So I appreciate Philip. He ran a very clean race. So I wish him and his family the best. About Mansfield caught up with mayoral candidates Brent Newsom and Michael Evans on election night. Newsom said that a runoff seemed inevitable. I mean, excited about um, all the people that turned out to vote. I'm really appreciative of all the, the effort from um, all my friends and family that uh, came out and supported, helped work the polls. So, uh, you know, at some point, I'm with the number of candidates that were in the election. It was not quite a foregone conclusion, but most Everyone expected that there would be a runoff with four candidates. It's hard not to have oh, a, absolutely. Uh, a runoff at that point. Having taken the highest percentage of votes, Michael Evans was happy with the results. You know what? I'm feeling really, really good. Uh, we, um, you know, in regard to uh, the votes, I think we are in, in the lead by about 2,300 or so uh, votes. Of course, we didn't hit that magic 51%, but I'm feeling really good about uh, our chances in runoff. I thank the uh, graciousness of uh, George uh, Fassett, uh, who has uh, already reached out and and, uh, just an honorable man. Terry Moore, as a matter of fact, uh, reached out and again, two honorable men. And uh, I look forward to uh, uh, Mr. Newsom and I, Brent and I uh, finishing this thing. uh, on the high road, and I think uh, we're going to do that. And it's, uh, I think that's the character of uh, the city of Mansfield. Newsom doesn't expect any changes in his campaign tact over the next four weeks. The message is still going to uh, be the same. I'm uh, excited about you know what we've been able to accomplish on the local level. Uh, you know, the message has always been about you know making sure that we do the best we can with our the tax dollars that are given to us by, you know, the local citizens and being able to, you know, pass those tax dollars back. The impressive part of the campaign was the camaraderie between the candidates. In an online forum hosted by the Chamber of Commerce, the four candidates joked with each other, even occasionally relinquishing time to another candidate to let them finish a point. One photo posted on Facebook a couple of days before Election Day showed three of the mayoral candidates smiling together in a group photo. Not only did we do that, uh, Steve, we, you know, we, we prayed together at the end of, of, of every night, especially last week. You know, those were long days, 12-hour days. We're just a little different here in Mansfield, and, and that is to be applauded about our city. And um, it, it excites me about our future. And... Um, where we will go uh, from here. And I sure look forward to uh, uh, leading Mansfield into that new day. I I really do. Early voting starts November 23rd, runs through December 4th, with Election Day being slated for Tuesday, December 8th. Mansfield City Council held a regular meeting on Monday night. And with the recap... Here's Councilman Casey Lewis. The City Council met Monday, November 9th for a regularly scheduled council meeting. The consent agenda was approved 7-0 to zero with plans underway for the new police and fire training facility. Heritage Parkway westbound is wrapping up the design phase and soon to begin construction between Commerce and Main Street. Construction of the new parking lot and drive lanes at Skinner Sports Complex will also begin soon. We also approved the permits for hometown holidays on December 4th and 5th and the Mansfield Turkey Trot. The second reading of a zoning change for a luxury-gated townhome project located on North Main Street was approved with a 7-0 vote. Lastly, we rescheduled our December meetings to hold both December meetings on December 14th so that city staff and city council can celebrate the Christmas season with their families. On behalf of the Mansfield City Council and About Mansfield, I'm Casey Lewis. Thanksgiving is in the not-so-distant future, and with its fried turkeys, buttery foods, and gravy, it can be hard on the diet, and it can be equally hard on drainage pipes and sewer systems. Instead of washing your grease down the drain, the City of Mansfield would like to remind you to participate in the Holiday Grease Roundup and recycle it for free. The collected cooking oil and grease will be recycled into biodiesel or biogas, reducing landfill waste and providing alternative fuel that is clean and green. 
The Holiday Grease Roundup runs from November 23rd through January 4th from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Environmental Collection Center, located at 616 South Wisteria Street. The Holiday Grease Roundup is free to Mansfield residents. Due to the coronavirus, the annual Veterans Day Parade in Mansfield has been canceled this year, but in lieu of that celebration, the city of Mansfield is proud to honor our heroes in a more personal, yet social distant way. Earlier this fall season, residents were invited to register local veterans for a special recognition. Each veteran who registered prior to the deadline received a special yard sign and gift bag. The names of each veteran were also posted on display on the marquee at the shops at Broad every day from November 1st through the 11th. Banners were also placed on assisted living and retirement homes who registered veteran residents to honor them as well. A special virtual tribute to local veterans is planned for Wednesday and will take place on the City of Mansfield Facebook page. The tribute will also include patriotic music and presentations from all over the community to honor and say thank you for those who have served our country. Taking a look at sports, Tommy Cummings is on assignment. COVID-19 has played havoc with high school football schedules all season. No Mansfield ISD school has had more changes than Timberview. Last week, Alito postponed. This week, Waco University canceled. Luckily, Timberview found a replacement and will play Dripping Springs at 7 p.m. Friday night at Tiger Stadium in Belton. In other games, Summit will entertain Colleyville Heritage at R.L. Anderson Stadium, while Legacy goes to Burleson to take on Burleson Centennial. Both games start at 7 p.m. In games last week, Mansfield High School defeated Waco 37-13. Summit beat Richland 49-13, while Lake Ridge fell 31-21 to Waxahachie. On Thursday, Legacy defeated Birdville 49-13. To 28. That's it for Sports in Mansfield. If you have any local sports news, Tommy would love to hear from you by email, news at aboutmansfield.com. Again, that is news at aboutmansfield.com. It's time for the Ask Terry Do-It-Yourself Home Improvement feature. Terry Radzwin is our resident home improvement specialist and answers your questions about the place you call home. Terry? We have a question from Kim who asks... I have a gas fireplace that needs to be looked at or repaired because it will not light. What can I do to fix it? Kim, thanks for the question. As we head into the winter months, it's important to make sure that the appliances we use to keep us warm are working and working safely. Gas fireplaces are a great supplement to your regular heating system that give warmth and a cozy feeling without the mess that a wood-burning firebox can cause. But like all appliances, they do require some maintenance to ensure that they continue to serve us properly. Safety is paramount when working with natural gas or propane, so I frankly recommend that you know your limits when it comes to knowledge and ability. If you think you're in over your head, definitely call in a service professional to come out and look at the unit. But here are a few things that you can do to check out your burner and see if it's an easy fix. The first and most obvious check would be to make sure that the gas valve is open and that the pilot light is lit and burning properly. The pilot light should have a blue flame. If it looks yellowish, there's a chance that the gas line or orifice is clogged and needs to be cleaned. Spiderwebs, believe it or not, are a common offender. You can turn the gas off, blow out the pilot light orifice with some canned air or a nozzle connected to a compressor, and relight the pilot to see if this solves the problem. The other possible easy fix would be the wall switch that you use to ignite the fire log. There's only a tiny current of electricity measured in millivolts that runs through the switch. Remove the switch plate, take the wires loose from the switch, and see if you have current running through the wires using an electrical meter that measures low levels of electricity. If there's power running through the wires, the culprit may be the wall switch. Replace it and you should be good to go. Beyond that, I'd get a professional involved. There are other components of the fireplace unit, such as the control valve and the thermocouple or thermopile, that can be cause of the problem, and fixing those is best left to a seasoned, capable pro. Gas is something that a lot of people fear because they hear stories every winter about a house exploding from a faulty gas appliance. I wouldn't necessarily say that fear is an appropriate sentiment about gas because it's a very useful product, but a healthy amount of respect for its power is definitely recommended. Simply do an online search for gas fireplace repair, and you should generate a good list of candidates. Check out their websites, read their reviews, and pick you out a good and reliable repair service. Again, Kim, thanks for the question. And if you've got a home improvement or repair question for me, I'll be glad to tackle it on the air. Send me an email through the podcast or 
reach me through my Facebook page at Ask Terry AM Podcast or my Twitter at Ask Terry AM Pod. As we go forward, I'll be adding more and more content to these social media pages, and I'm working on producing some videos that will help you with projects around the house. See you next time. Reporting for About Mansfield, I'm Home Improvement Specialist Terry Radswin. If you have a home improvement question, you can send an email to askterry at aboutmansfield.com. Again, that's askterry at aboutmansfield.com. Terry will tackle another home improvement question next week. Friday the 13th comes around this week. Let's see if we will have good news or bad news with the weather. Alexa? On Wednesday, November 11th in Mansfield, you'll see lots of sun and can expect a high of 72 degrees Fahrenheit and a low of 44 degrees. Wednesday through Friday should be sunny, with clouds on Saturday. Sunday through Tuesday should be sunny again. Daytime highs will range between 69 and 78 degrees Fahrenheit. According to Tarrant Regional Water District, Mansfield lawns need no irrigation this week. Consider checking your soil moisture later in the week and hand-watering any new plantings. With the weather being in the 70-degree temperature range, sunny and dry, your sprinklers can remain off this week. To see a map of watering recommendations for North Texas, log on to waterisawesome.com. Coming up after the break, when we switch from news to talk, we will talk about spirits, the distilled kind. The first of a two-part interview with Pastor Brian Certain from Bourbon Gospel. It's going to be a fun, informative interview. I'm Steve Casillo with Colleen Daniel and the entire news team, and this is About Mansfield. Introducing Cold Hammer Stills. What is Cold Hammer Stills? It's a 70-proof chocolate cappuccino liqueur that's been distilled six times with a balanced blend of coffee, light cinnamon, and cocoa to create an enticing, robust flavor. Here, try some. Oh my gosh, Becky, 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 come here. You have to try this. Ooh, what the? This is so delicious. I've never had anything like this. I need to have some more of this. Find Cold Hammer Stills. Find liqueur is at Total Wine and More or your favorite package store. Ask for it by name. Hey, it's Steve Casillo. I want to take a second to tell you about Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. It's where we record and produce our weekly About Mansfield episodes. Podcast Mansfield is a full-service studio with recording, editing, mixing, and mastering capabilities, and can even help market your podcast. Podcast Mansfield is home to such great local shows, such as Ask Philip, The Face-Off Spot, and Daughter of the Other Woman, just to name a few, and handles post-production duties for remote clients, such as Coaching Through Chaos out of San Diego and Military Resource Radio from Detroit. So whether you're a hands-on person who just needs a place to record your podcast or need the help from concept to completion... Podcast Mansfield is there to help. Conveniently located on Heritage Parkway, just off of 287 in Mansfield. For more information on starting your podcast, or if you're looking for a better place to record, Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio can be found on the internet at podcastmansfield.com. That's podcastmansfield.com. Hi, this is Jan Cox. And this is John Cox, owner of Stevens Garden and Grill. And you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo. As we make the switch from news to talk, we have a gentleman here in the studio today that we are going to talk about. Uh, you know, Halloween just finished. And as we mentioned, we're going to be talking about spirits. Now, we're not going to be talking about spirits that go bump in the night, though. We'll talk about this here in just a second. I want to start off, though with a letter that was written from a dad to his son regarding spirits. We're going to be talking about the distilled type of spirits here. And um, uh, most specifically about bourbon, because um, bourbon is something that, that I got into maybe four or five years ago. I'm still pretty much wet behind the ears. And we'll talk to our, our guest here about uh, his expertise in this. Again, this letter to, uh, to a son from the father, writes uh, to my son, and this uh, was written on his uh, on the son's twenty first birthday. Just like losing your first tooth, being baptized, becoming an adult, casting your first vote, you've reached another rite of passage. Happy twenty first birthday! As you know, you are now of legal age to drink, and in honor of your birthday, I give to you a small piece of my heart, a bottle of bourbon. 
If used properly, you will have demonstrated respect, honor, willpower, and maturity. This bottle comes with some caveats. Number one, life is like a glass of bourbon to be enjoyed slowly and with confidence. And number two, bourbon is a drink that should only be consumed to accentuate the good times and not to wallow in the bad. Promise me that this bottle will only be used to toast your life's greatest memories and accomplishments, your graduation, your wedding day, the birth of a child, in memory of a loved one, etc., one ounce at a time. May this bottle last you a lifetime of memories. There are 25 ounces within it. As the Irish playwright George Bernard Shaw once wrote, Bourbon is liquid sunshine. Enjoy the sunshine, son. Love, Dad. In the studio, we have Brian Certain, and Brian is a Mansfield resident. He works here in Mansfield. And more specifically, he has developed a group called the Bourbon Gospel, and we're going to find out exactly what that's about. Brian, welcome to About Mansfield. Thank you, Steve. It's, uh, it's an honor to be here. How long have you been involved in, in bourbon? When, when did you take your first sip? Um, my first sip was probably like many of us um, as, as a small child. Um, my mother has said that um, she used to put it on my gums uh, when I was a baby because I was hard to put to sleep. Um, and, uh, and that would help me get to sleep. Um, as, you know, growing up, my dad was a scotch guy, um, which may lead to my not loving scotch as much anymore. <laughs> um, but in college, I went to a fine SEC school, Mississippi State. Um, and in college, it was a very common thing to, uh, take a bottle of, of, at that time, Jack Daniels, mm-hmm. um, into the stadium to strengthen and fortify us for the football games. Okay, but uh, let's go back before we, we get into the college. Where did you grow up? I uh, was born in Rome, Georgia. Um, my parents were students at Athens, Georgia. Um, so when I leave the Georgia out, I often tell people that I was born in Rome while my parents were going to school in Athens. <laughs> and people think that makes me very continental instead of just very redneck. Nice. And so later when when you, you went to college in Mississippi... I did. And they allowed alcohol in the stadium or... Oh, no. no. Oh, no. No, no, no. That was not allowed... Um, in fact, at that point, Mississippi um, was 21, even though the rest of the country was 18. Mississippi was 18 for beer, but 21 for wine or spirits. Um, at what age did you feel that you became a bourbon connoisseur? I don't know that I've reached that stage yet. Oh, okay. Um, I'm still learning, um, even though I've been um, avidly collecting bourbon for about 15 years at this point. Um, I've been to Bourbon Fest in Bardstown, Kentucky three times hmm. to date. Um, and for anyone who enjoys a fine brown distilled spirit, going to Bardstown for Bourbon Fest is is a quite a um, a thing to, you need to accomplish at some point, um, and experiencing the bourbon trail in Kentucky as well. Most of the bourbon comes from Kentucky, is that right? I was going to start by saying I'm a big fan of your trivia portion. Thank you. Of the, of the, of the podcast every week. And so I have two trivia questions for you to start us off. The first is, does bourbon only come from Kentucky? I would think that since there is TX bourbon, that answer would be no. That is correct. Um, so um, there are the ABCs of bourbon. Um, the A stands for it has to come from America. So it just has to be distilled anywhere in America. Um, if it's Canadian, it can't be bourbon. Um, as, as we say, all bourbon is whiskey, but not all whiskey is bourbon. Um, and so, um, so that is the second question is, could you legally buy bourbon during prohibition? No. That would be an incorrect answer. Oh, I'm one out of two. You're one out of two, 50%. <laughs> um, so legally in the United States during prohibition, um, you could get a prescription. And in the first six months of prohibition, um, 15,000 doctors were licensed to prescribe 
bourbon. Um, and 57,000 pharmacies were licensed to distribute bourbon. So it was a medicine. It was a medicine and is by many still considered to be have medicinal properties. Um, it was actually one of the very first medicines um, that was in the frontier and in this country. Um, there was a still brought over on the Mayflower. I don't know if it's a medicinal thing for me, but uh, I, I do tend to enjoy a glass after I've performed on stage for three or four hours and my voice is a little hoarse and a little rough and maybe there's some pain involved. And you, But you know what? Just like the letter from the dad to the son, it's something that, that I drink as it's almost like a victory drink to me mm-hmm. that um, I know that I've just slayed the stage for three hours. I get home that night, I'm beat to heck and you know what? It just feels good on the back of the throat. And I, I would assume that's part of that medicinal. Absolutely, hundred percent. And and again, and, and during prohibition, the prescription was written for temperance. Okay. Um, if you remember, prohibition was brought around by the intemperance movement, so it was kind of a tongue in cheek as we're writing this prescription. And the prescription could be written for five pints per thirty days. And and so you could go to your local pharmacy and still buy legally produced um, bourbon. Um, and during Prohibition, the U.S. government made 10 licenses available to distilleries to acquire, of which six were acquired during Prohibition. Um, the only one still in existence today is Brown and Foreman, mm-hmm. um, owner of the before-mentioned Jack Daniels, um, also owner of Woodford and Old Forester Brands. Um, in fact, George Garvin Brown was the founder of Old Forester, which is the oldest registered label in the bourbon world. It was the first time, 1870, that you could go in and buy that Old Forester, and the manufacturer, George Garvin Brown's signature was on the label, certifying what was in it. Up until that point, you really didn't know what you were getting inside that bottle. It might have just said bourbon. <laughs> Or it might have said, you know, triple X like we've seen in the movies. Right. Um, and you didn't know what you were actually getting inside that bottle. 1870 was the first time that a registered label um, that still exists today, it's the oldest registered label um, in the bourbon world, existed. So when it comes to bourbon, I, I, I know what I like and I know what I don't like. As I mentioned, I'm still a little green behind the ears. And the bourbon that I prefer is a 94 proof but I've bought a 120 proof that I didn't like. Why is there a difference in proof? And, and what, is the, what is the range of proof when it comes to bourbon? So by law, it cannot be bourbon if it's less than 80 proof. And by law, it cannot go into the barrel at higher than 125 proof. While it's in the barrel process of maturation where the the distilled clear spirit goes into the barrel, goes through the char layer into the oak barrel, and then back during the cold months. So it's a living, breathing organism. Um, and that's what gives us about 80% of our color and flavor comes from that barreling process. Um, but it cannot go into the barrel a h- higher than 125 proof. Um, but during that time, evaporation happens. We call it the angel's share. Okay. We say the angels in Kentucky are the happiest angels in the world. Yes. Um, as are the cows, because the cows are fed the grain mix after it's been turned into bourbon. The cows are then fed that leftover grain mix. It doesn't go to waste. Um, so cows in Kentucky are also very happy. We think just the horses are happy, but it's the people and it's also the, the cows that are very happy in Kentucky. You brought in three bottles of bourbon here. They're all of the same manufacturer, Elijah Craig, which happens to be the the bourbon of choice that 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 I like. But they all three of them have a different color. So how how does that happen? So each of the three bottles. So one of them is a traditional Elijah Craig. It's a ninety four proof. It's a twelve year old bourbon. Um, I also have a Barrel Select, which was a a liquor store that I know that went to Kentucky and went to Heaven Hill um, and. 
hand selected a barrel um, and had the entire barrel and its content shipped to them at their liquor store in Mississippi. And uh, and so that one is only nine years old. And then the third one is a barrel proof. So straight out of the barrel. Um, as, as Booker No says, it's the way God made bourbon. Um, no cut, no filter, no water added, nothing is added. It's straight from the barrel into the bottle. Nothing has been changed. Booker No, who I had the pleasure of meeting before he died, you know, I was at his house, luckily for dinner, and someone at the dinner, you know, stood up and said, you know, Mr. Booker, you know, what do you think of someone who mixes Coke with your bourbon, Booker's? Uh Uh-oh. And and Booker was not a slight man. Booker was a big man, 6'2", 6'3", 300-plus pounds intimidating not only by stature, but by who he is and what he's done in the industry. And and it seemed like he stared him down forever. It was probably five or six seconds. But in that time period, everyone else at the table is stone cold silent. This guy has to be thinking, I've just made the worst mistake in the world. And Mr. Booker looked at him and said, did you buy the bottle of Booker's? And he, oh yeah, Mr. Booker, I bought the bottle. He goes, I bet it was the best darn bourbon and Coke you ever had then. (laughs) Um, And bottom line, he said, is that this is how God made it, but that's not how everyone likes to drink it. So if you want to add a flick of water, two flicks of water, an ice cube poured over ice cubes, you've bought the bottle, do whatever you want with it. I know a a bar in, in Kentucky, in Louisville, that said if they ever got Pappy Van Winkle, um, reported to be the, one of the best bourbons in the world, mm-hmm. um, that they would make jello shots out of it. And sure enough, a year or two later, they got a bottle of Pappy and they said, by gosh, we said we're going to do it. And that's actually one of the things they have on their menu now when they have it in stock is Pappy Van Winkle um, jello shots. Wow. Um, and they say it's the best jello shot in the world. Oh, of course. Of course. Of course. Now, you okay, so you talk about whether it's the water or the ice cube. And uh, so, so straight up is called neat. Yes. With ice on the rocks. Correct. Just like you can do with Jägermeister or Fireball, can you freeze bourbon? You cannot, like with both of them, is that the alcohol content will not freeze. You can put it in the freezer to chill it. Do you know um, people that have done that? I do. In fact, one of my favorite bourbons is Colonel Taylor. Um, and the very first night that I was served Colonel Taylor, the first one that I was served was a a unicorn that doesn't exist anymore. And I was with a group of five of my friends in Kentucky and we were like, wow, you know, what else do you have like this? And the guy, the owner of the bar was like, well, I've got some barrel proof. And we're like, okay, yes. And he pulls the bottle out of the freezer (laughs) and there was only five shots left in the bottle. So he just gave us the bottle and let us keep the bottle. I have the empty bottle in my collection. And, um, and I will tell you that it, 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 changes it just like it with anything that's chilled versus room temperature it changes the complexity it changes the texture it changes the notes the um, the nose the smell it changes the taste of it so like with anything you know when you change the chemical components mm-hmm. heating it or cold heating it or cooling it i'm not someone that's going to eat cold pizza but i know a lot of people that enjoy it I don't enjoy a lot of my bourbons. Um, I, I, for years and years, I would only have my bourbon neat. Yeah. Um, and, and I was in a position where I was collecting really great bottles of bourbon. Um, that hunt has become much, much, much more difficult. And over the last four years, probably I've spent more time focusing on, um, a getting good bourbon and creating great cocktails. So that's part of where bourbon gospel came in is, you know, what, what me and the people involved with bourbon gospel, we say is that, you know, we're here to preach the gospel of bourbon to the uninitiated and the enthusiasts. Um, that, and that would be me. There we go. <laughs> so, somewhere in between there. Yes. <laughs> um, and so part of what, you know, that we try to do and what I personally am trying to do is really focus on bourbon education. Yeah. Uh, going into bars, going into restaurants where they have a bourbon clientele, walking them much through a lot of the things we're talking about today, what makes it 
you know, what's neat, what's on the rocks, what's bur- what's barrel proof, what's single barrel, what's this, what's small batch. Um, and, and working them way through that. And then we'll do tastings where I'll walk them through. How do you nose a glass? How do you taste a bourbon to get the most out of it? And then what do you do with it beyond that? And part of where I work a lot right now is working with people, bars specifically on cocktails that a younger, and what I find is a female clientele will enjoy um, is is there's a persona that bourbon is a guy's drink mm. that, you know, that's what men drink. You know, we go into back rooms and we've got yeah. bottles of bourbon around the table and we play cards and we, we light up deals. our cigars. Exactly. And, and yet bourbon is, is American. It is distinctly American. It's 1964, May 4th, 1964. Congress declared it the unique product of the United States. Mm. Um, and, and that was about a trade issue is because we weren't able to get our product into Europe, but Europe could get their product into the United States and they would dismiss our product as being something not unique or distinctive. So Congress got together with the bourbon industry and, and declared it. And there's several tenets that become Become the ABCs of bourbon um, that say exactly what it has to be in order to be bourbon. The first is A, it has to be from America. Um, the second is, is that it has to be made in new charred oak barrels. There's the B for you. Okay. Um, the C is that it must be 51%. Corn. Oh, there's your C because okay. by, by law it has to be at least fifty one percent corn. It must be de distilled to a maximum of hundred and sixty proof. Mm-hmm. Cannot be distilled over that. Um, it has to enter the barrel at no more than, as we mentioned, one hundred and twenty five um, hundred and twenty five proof. So that's the E enter. Um, F is the um, the filled bottle can be bottled at no less than eighty proof. Right. Um, so Jack Daniels and other manufacturers put out products that are less than 80 proof. Even if they wanted the product to be called bourbon, they couldn't because of the proof. Would they call that whiskey then? They would. Okay. Um, and in Tennessee, they would either call that the Lincoln County process or they would call it Tennessee sip and whiskey, depending on which manufacturer you're talking about. And then G is it must be genuine. Nothing could be done to change the color, the flavor, or the taste other than filtration. Um, and it's always filtered through charcoal of some kind. You talk about doing the uh, working with restaurants, consulting them about uh, different cocktails. Now, it, you brought in today here in the studio um, an old-fashioned. I did. Very and traditional. What's, what's in an old-fashioned? Um, so the way the old-fashioned is made that I made for us is two parts um, bourbon. Um, one part simple syrup, some bitters, um, and a little bit of Lizardo cherry juice in there. Um, give a little bit of sweetness. Lizardo cherries are the only cherries that I will use for cocktails. Um, it's an Italian cherry. It's dark, dark, dark red in color. Um, I have people who go, I hate cherries, and I talk them into trying one of these, and they go, I hate all the other cherries. <laughs> I now will go and buy Just, the $20 jars of cherry. You haven't sipped yours in a bit, so I'll, I'll talk here for a couple of seconds while you, you go ahead and sip your old-fashioned. But the last time I had an old-fashioned was on my birthday, and it was at um, a local steakhouse here in Mansfield, which I think there are only two steakhouse houses along 287. And, uh, you know, it is, it, it was actually not only the last time I had a, an old fashioned, it was the first time I had an old fashioned and it was outstanding. So if it was the Northern outpost of Yet, that, yes, they claim to have great old fashions. Yes, it was. I'm again, enough of a snob at this point, And I will declare that, that they will, if you don't de- de- state, they will just serve you a regular maraschino cherry. Um, which I think takes away from all of the niceness of the cocktail. And if you push them, they'll get the good cherries from the back of the bar for you. So tip, ah, make sure you get the good cherries from the back of the bar. All right. You mentioned your collection. Let's talk yes. about your collection. How many bottles currently with alcohol in it, so not not those that have been retired, how many bottles would you say you have in your collection right now of bourbon? So 
I believe in having an open collection. Yeah. So my collection, there's no bottle that if I'm with someone who's a good friend and they go, what's that? And it's not open. I have no problem opening it. Um, so my collection is not something that's just gathering dust on a shelf. It's something that's a conversation starter. It's something I spend times with friends and family, uh, sharing and, and having new memories made with. Um, but currently I would say, um, the last time I counted, it's probably just north of 200 different. Oh my gosh. Bourbons. Wow. Um, and, and, and by bourbons, there are some tequilas in there that are bourbon aged tequilas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a couple of whiskeys in there. Um, but there probably are over 200 different bottles of bourbon that, um, have something in them at this point. We're going to expand on that. But as a side note, I was at home last week. My wife, it's about dinner time. She says, let's have a cocktail. All right, great. She goes, you've got that bottle way up there that that I bought in Cancun about three years ago. That is the most ornate bottle of I've ever seen. It's been on display. She goes, when are we going to open that bottle? I said, well, I've been saving it for a special occasion. And she said... We woke up today. I think that's a special occasion. So, the, so yes. And, <laughs> and so, and you said something in that letter from that dad to his son. Yeah. Um, and, and I want to, and I want to interject my philosophy about it. And it's really not my philosophy. It's, it's, it's Freddie Johnson. Freddie Johnson is a bourbon hall of famer. He's a third generation, um, gentleman who works at Buffalo Trace. Um, and he is highlighted in a documentary called Neat. The story of bourbon. Um, and, and the first time that I heard Freddie tell this story, and every time I tell the story afterwards, it gives me goosebumps. And, and the story is, is his dad was the second generation to work at Buffalo Trace and his dad actually rolled out the six millionth barrel mm-hmm. of, of, of bourbon from the Buffalo Trace distillery. Freddie has now actually now rolled out the seven millionth barrel. Um, but after that big occasion, that one barrel gets put in its own warehouse to age, and it sits in that warehouse until the next millionth barrel is created, and that next millionth barrel takes its place as the only barrel in that warehouse, and then they give that barrel away to charities. Awesome. Great organization. Yeah. Um, but he, he's, he, the Van Winkle family gave Freddie a bottle of Pappy 20. And that night, he's sitting on the porch with his dad and his brother, and he opens it and he pours them each some, and he starts to put the stopper back in the bottle. And his dad said, "What what are you doing?" And he says, "Well, Dad, you know this is you know Mister you know Van Winkle gave this to me. It's a really special bottle." And what he said was, he says, "Son, I, I you've missed everything I've taught you." He says, "Never save old bottles of bourbon when you're with good friends and family." He said, there will always be more old bottles of bourbon being made. We're the fragile piece of that equation. So bourbon is meant to be enjoyed with good friends and family in the moment. Um, and I heard that and it changed my how I approach bottles. If I have a great bottle of bourbon and I open it and I finish it with a great friend, that becomes a moment of celebration, not a moment of mourning. Right. And Freddie goes on to tell the story is that he and his dad and his brother spent all night and finished the bottle between the three of them. And nine months later, they were both gone. His dad and his brother were both gone. Wow. So the point is, is that celebrated in the moment. Don't think about it as a one ounce at a time. If you're having a good time, if you're having, you're in a safe location, you're not going to be driving, you're being responsible, then, then enjoy the moment. Tell the stories, create new memories where the fragile piece of the equation still exists because there will always be more bottles of bourbon being made. There are currently over six million barrels of bourbon being aged in Kentucky. Wow. There are only three and a half million people. (laughs) So they're closing in very quickly on having two barrels of bourbon being aged in Kentucky for every person who lives in Kentucky. So there will always be more fine bottles of bourbon. So enjoy them in the moment. 
enjoy them with those good friends and family, celebrate the time because the bourbon is not the celebration. It's whatever you're celebrating is the celebration. We're talking with Brian Certain with Bourbon Gospel here on About Mansfield, and we're going to cut it off right here and pick up part two next week as we talk more bourbon, more distilled spirits here on About Mansfield. We'll be right back. Congratulations to Yolanda Boteo, who was the first person to email the correct answer to last week's trivia question, who was Mansfield's first librarian? According to the book, The History of Mansfield, Texas, for 31 years, Ida Nichols served as Mansfield's first librarian. Yolanda has won a $25 gift card to 54th Street Grill. It's time right now for the highly coveted, wildly popular trivia question of the week. The first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com will receive a $25 gift card to the brand new 54th Street Grill. It's located in the shops at Broad, serving quality food in an eclectic, retro-style atmosphere. Check them out on the web at 54thstreetgrill.com. Let's get to this week's question, Colleen. Well, Steve, earlier in the episode, we talked about the Environmental Collection Center located on Wisteria Street, which is next door to the Chris W. Burkett Service Center. Chris Burkett served the city of Mansfield from 1984 until his retirement in 2016. This week's trivia question is, what title did Chris Burkett hold on the day of his retirement? Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, what was Chris Burkett's title on the day of his retirement? Good luck, and thanks to Eli at 54th Street for the gift card. Coming up next week on About Mansfield, it is our usual array of news, talk, and information. We will also conclude our two-part interview with Brian Certain with Bourbon Gospel. The show will be released on Wednesday, November 18th. Until then, don't forget to follow this podcast if you haven't already, so you never miss an episode. It's free and it's easy. Just enter your email address on our website, aboutmansfield.com. We will never send you you any spam. We promise. About Mansfield is recorded at Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. Hosts Steve Casillo and Colleen Daniel. Reporters Stacy Main and Dennis Webb. City Council Recap Casey Lewis. Home Improvement Feature Terry Radswin. Sports Tommy Cummings. Post-production editing, mixing, and mastering, Steve Casillo. We thank you for listening. On behalf of the entire news team, I'm Steve Casillo, and this is About Mansfield. Mansfield.